everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It is two days before the NFL draft, and there's still plenty of uncertainty surrounding the draft. Where players are going to go, what trades are going to be made, who moves back, who moves forwards. Uh, I would say in my years of following the NFL draft, uh, one of the less defined drafts that we will see. Maybe positions, yes, but players... Not exactly clear, Wiz. And how are you today, Wiz? Happy Tuesday. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing well. I hope you are. Uh, hope you are as well. Um, yeah, I think you said it right. Uh, this is a, a wildly confusing draft that is seemingly getting more confusing uh, <laughs> by the minute as we get closer to uh, Thursday. And uh, there's rumors flying everywhere and. Uh, Every day, it just seems to be a handful of players that are going one way and another handful of players that are going in the other direction. And uh, it will all play out in uh, just a matter of a few days. Yeah, and, you know, again, this is a unique first round and the amount of teams that do have multiple picks, uh, it enables to people for teams to think about moving up or moving down. I was listening to an interview with the Pittsburgh Steelers GM Kevin Colbert who can envision a scenario where at pick number 20 they can move up somewhere in the vicinity of pick 7 to 10 or even move back down to back of, back of the first round and, and, and add some some draft equity. So uh, he was open-minded about both. At least that's, uh, that's, that's the way the interview went. Uh, and I think, you know, you've talked about this, you know, do the chiefs move up Do the Packers move up with those, both of them with late first round picks. Um, do the jets move back Do the giants potentially try to move back. I don't think we really have a clear answer on that. Just like we don't for the first time in some time really have a definitive answer on who the number one pick in the draft is going to be. Yeah. It keeps, you know, changing, um, uh, one day it definitely wasn't going to be Hutchinson. And then for a pretty lengthy time here, it seemed that even Hutchinson was the consensus number one. Now the, uh, it seems like Trayvon Walker has uh, now become the favorite as far as betting propositions go to be actually the number one pick. So tomorrow could be a different player. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, it makes for such an interesting, just for the viewing of the draft, but as far as wagering on the draft, I, I think there are some interesting opportunities, and uh, I know we're going to discuss that. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. Um, you know, we've been doing this podcast a couple of years, and we felt, and you and I uh, have not really hit our feelings. We we do traditional fantasy football leagues, uh, but we definitely have migrated to kind of this newer mindset of, of focusing on prop bets, and I think both of us very much enjoy that. Uh, we like the combination of the two. I think, you know, when it comes to fantasy football leagues, there's, there's, there's still uh, a lot of that um, – you know, the, the, having friends uh, in, in friend groups and, and, and having that kind of comrade, uh, you, know, it, you know, that sort of dynamic is a fun part of it. But then there's a whole other element to what we're seeing with a younger generation. I think, you know, older folks like ourselves are, have, are definitely enjoying that as well. But, you know, this, isn't, this is something that was not available, say, I don't know, two, three years ago. And the amount of stuff that you can bet on for the NFL draft is just rather incredible. It really is. And, uh, you know, just, you know, talking when you're in leagues with millennials or you're just talking to them, um, for them, this is what they know. But for you and I and so many people who have been doing this a long time, um, 
we kind of wish that this was there and available uh, when we was, you know, we, you know, we're doing this for for a long, you know, doing this especially at the beginning. But uh, it's fun that it's here now, and uh, we're going to try and help people make money uh, starting on draft day and not going all the way through the season, uh, which I believe we did last year. Yeah, and you and I haven't done a mock draft yet, and we really haven't talked specifics. We've talked specifics needs for each team, at least at least the way. We are viewing it, you know, how, how the teams will approach it uh, re- remains uh, a mystery, of course. Uh, I, I've seen a number of mock drafts, Wiz, and I don't know where yours is at this moment. I will finalize one by sometime midday tomorrow. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a number of people that do not have an offensive player going in the top 10. When I say an offensive skill set position, so a quarterback, running back, tight end, or wide receiver. And then there's a couple that I saw come out today where all of a sudden I saw two wide receivers sneaking into the top 10. Um, so I, I think there's a, a variety of opinions out there. I'm not asking you for your exact opinion right now. But, but you know, again, this is, this is definitely one of the more difficult drafts, in my opinion, to handicap in terms of what will occur. Yeah, I think um, I think that's very true, um, and 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 I think what adds to the confusion is the fact that you know so many teams have multiple picks in the first round. It really changes the dynamic of it um, in the order of when they'll pick because you have like the Eagles and the Saints and the Jets and Giants at the. Kansas City has back-to-back first-round picks, so you're not quite sure. You know, you may be right about the positions, but what's the order? Will one or two of these teams use those two first-round picks to try and move up with a team like the Texans, the Panthers uh, are certainly in play at, at pick number six to trade down and get picks? It, it makes sense. So that adds to the confusion. Debo Samuel adds to the confusion because, you know, they very likely could see a trade with the Jets. Um, even though John Lynch said that he's not trading Debo Samuel, but we know how things could change from a, you know, from a day-to-day basis. So I'm looking at things. I'm looking at these prop wagers, and I, I find some of them to be very interesting. And I think there's a few uh, with a real opportunity to make money. So let me – so I'll start this one off. I'm intrigued by – uh, trying to handicap the first three picks in the draft. And uh, I, I look at the odds for that. And that was, that, to me, that was one of the, one of the more interesting angles to go from, you know, so at this point, in, at this point in time, was, do you have kind of like a feeling of how those first three picks in the draft go? Cause I think in most people's cases, there's some mix of, of, of Walker Hutchinson and, uh, and, and Aquanwu. Uh, that's kind of the mix that I've seen in, in most mock drafts, and we know player needs as well. Are you kind of in the camp that those three guys are going to probably be the first three guys, or do you think someone like a Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner or even, I don't know, I've even seen Stingley sneak up that high in, in, a, in a few mocks. What's your sense of those first three picks in the draft? Do you, do you have a strong sense on, on, on those, who, not necessarily the order, but the three players? I know my my three players are a little bit different than the, than those three players. I do not have Walker going. And the only preface what I'm about to say is Walker very easily could be the first pick. But if I don't, if, if he's not the first pick, he there's a good chance he's not going to be the second or the third pick either. So my three in order are Aiden Hutchinson, who's the most polished player. 
um, the Lions taking Gardner to, to pair up with Akuda and Iquinanu is, is is clearly, in my opinion, the best tackle. Even though you know Evan Neal's terrific, and so is Charles Cross. So I have Hutchinson, Gardner, and Iquinanu. I'm not overly confident in that. That's not like something that I would say I would make a wager on, or or, or suggest that people wager on. But I have Walker falling four to the Jets. Even though Walker is favored to be the number one pick, I just don't agree with that. And I think Hutchinson's the most polished player, and he'll be picked one. But I think there are there are a whole bunch of options that could be picked in those first three or four picks. My 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 level of confidence is on a few things with these first few picks. Is one Ikawanu? I would lay the juice whatever it is, that he'll be the first offensive tackle taken over Neal and Charles Cross. And then I like the over on Kayvon Thibodeau, which I believe is like four and a half. I know we talked about this a little bit before we went on. Uh, I like over for him. So as far as like the first handful, five to seven picks, those are the two things that I'm king on. Okawano to be the number one tackle taken off the board and Kayvon Thibodeau to be under over four and a half, which I think is, is under and over on where he'll be drafted. Uh, no, so Thibodeau's an interesting one, Wiz, because I think there are some people that, that think he has top three talent, uh, and then there are others that you've seen some reports maybe around attitude, uh, that, that he could be one of those guys that kind of drops in this draft. Is, is that kind of the reason that you... Do you kind of believe those kind of stories? Is that part of what's going on? What's kind of your thought around Thibodeau? Yeah, I mean, I think the player comp is Javion Clowney, who, similar to Kayvon Thibodeau, made some of the most spectacular plays in the course of the game. I mean, he was able to beat and defeat blocks and make game-changing plays. And then he goes a quarter, a half, we don't even know if the guy is playing in the game. Um, so I think I think the player comp is clowny, and I think because of that, there are there are safer and more polished picks to take. So I think he'll go in the top ten. I even have him going to number seven, but I, I have him going over uh, the four and a half, which he's listed at, because I think those first few picks are going to be gobbled up by offensive tackles and, and different defensive players, uh, namely Hutchinson, Walker, and uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Yeah, and, and I'm watching that very closely as a Giant fan, uh, with the Giants having pick number five and pick number seven, and knowing knowing what the team needs. Uh, the, the Giants need offensive line help. The Giants need defensive help. Um, and if you're, if you're right that maybe one of those players slips down that we're talking about, uh, you know, that's... You know, the Giants need starters. They, they need two starters to come out of those two picks. Which is, that's the way I'm looking at it. And um, there's some talent here uh, that we're looking at that, that players have the potential to be starters on this Giant team from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, the reason, another reason why I like the Thibodeau to go over his draft uh, prospect at four and a half is because I feel the Giants picking at five, their first pick at five are going to take their favorite offensive lineman. Whether that's Cross or Neal, I feel the Carolina Panthers are in love with both players. So I think the Giants will take one and Carolina will be absolutely thrilled to take 
one of those other players, the other tackle that's available there. Now, if there's a trade down, a trade down from the Panthers, you know, all bets could be off. But irrespective of that, I just don't see Thibodeau going in the first four picks. So uh, for all of those reasons, uh, I'm loving the over. And uh, what makes it very interesting is when you look at the cornerback situation, uh, you know, I, I think Ahmad Gardner, who said on Twitter that he's the best player in the draft, and he may not be wrong. I mean, he didn't give up a touchdown his entire college career. Um, but I just think there's so much talk about Gardner, and the, and the latest thing is like Stingley moving up the board like he's a top three pick. Any way of these things shake out, it doesn't matter. There's no room, in my view, where Thibodeau ends up in the top five pick. So uh, that's why – you know, the over at the Thibodeau is one of my favorite plays uh, as far as betting props on draft day. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And, and I, th- there's a part of me that hopes you're right. Um, not that I, I love Gardner, but uh, Gardner didn't play against SEC talent in college. That's kind of one, one of my reservations that I have on that player. Not until he got to the bowl game last year. Um, Stingley had a very good season in his in his freshman season, but uh, a little bit bumpier the last couple of years dealing with injuries. Um, but he has moved up, and, and I'm watching that very closely because in the scenario that maybe the two defensive players go one two, uh, and then you have a couple of uh, cornerbacks that actually uh, that actually slip into three four, is a player like Aquanu there for the Giants to take at number five, and I would be jumping for joy if that would be the case. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just think Aquano is too good for the Texans to pass up at three, but you could rest assured that the Giants will waste about two seconds before they have to hand, you know, as soon as their pick is available, they'll run right up there with and take Aquano if he's available at five. I just think it'll be either Neil or Cross because Aquano will be taken uh, three, and I would not be shocked at all if Aquano was even the number one pick taken in his draft. That's how good I think he is. That's how athletic I think he is. Um, and he's, you know, he has that attitude. So absolutely love that player. Um, and I just think you're going to see tackles and defensive players just control these first five or six picks and set, or seven picks even. You know, it's funny, but Bucky Brooks uh, in his last, uh, he's of the NFL Network in his last mock draft that he did, I think it was last night or maybe it came out this morning, but he had Aquanu going uh, with the first pick in the draft, interestingly enough. Yeah, I can, you know, I can, I, can, I can see that. I mean, if you just want to look at who plays their position better than anyone else, it's, a, it's, it's hard not to say it's not Aquanu. I just, he's, he's just an unbelievable talent. So, uh, we're going to see there's going to be a lot of excitement uh, with these first uh, handful of picks and see if there's any kind of a trade up or trade down as well. So I think the one thing that's kind of funny is when I, when I look at uh, at pick numbers, I don't know if it's just random why it's coming up this way, but there seems to be, uh, so, so if you go on to pick number on DraftKings, it has the number one pick and then it goes straight for whatever reason. The next choice I have is for the number 10 draft pick. And that number 10 draft pick is currently owned by the Jets. There's a lot of rumors. You know, you mentioned Debo Samuel. We talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Packers. And, and what's interesting when you look at that draft position is most of the players are that they're betting on, on, on who, who that player is going to be at number 10, is a wide receiver. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit in a lot of mock drafts. There's, there's no uh, skill positions, uh, no skill position players 
in the top 10. That position, because you and I, I think, are both in agreement that Carolina, at least Carolina, will not be taking a quarterback. Whether a, another team chooses to move up into that spot and take a quarterback is a whole other story. But do you think it's interesting that the number 10 pick is being forecasted as a wide receiver, which, by the way, the Jets could do, uh, although I don't think they should be doing that because I think the Jets actually have a decent enough wide receiving core. They've, they've made some... Uh, they made a draft pick last year. They've made some signings in the offseason. Obviously, free agent signing last year and Corey Davis. But it will be interesting if it's taking into account that the Jets are going to trade out of the number 10 pick. And that's why for the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, two teams that definitely need wide receiver help, I'm kind of looking at that pick as a, as an interesting one. So here's, here's what, I'll give you reasons why the Jets will take a receiver and then I'll give you reasons why the Jets want to take a receiver. Personally, I have them not taking a receiver, but I'll give you the reasons why they will, and then again, the reasons why they won't. The reasons why they will, I think all receivers will be on the board still when they pick 10. So in my view, the Jets will have the, their choice of wide receiver if they elect to do so. Um, so that that's, that's a reason why uh they probably you know would want to take somebody electric to play with Elijah Moore and and to help you know their second year quarterback but let's look at the reasons why they won't or why they shouldn't their coach is a defensive minded coach he wants to improve on the defensive side of the ball that's why i have the jets having defensive players taken with their fourth pick and their 10th pick. That's number one. And reason number two is there, there is a decent amount of quality at wide receiver. Well, I think that a bunch of these receivers are kind of tied very closely together. So I believe with their second round pick, the Jets are picking in such a good spot that they could easily get themselves a quality receiver with their number one with their second round pick. So that's the reason why at the end of the day I think they won't. Uh, the coach is a defensive minded coach. He wants to probably take with those two picks defensive players, and then on top of that comparable wide receivers from let's say five to 15 and the jets will definitely get one of them with their second round pick. I like the thought process and uh, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, let me ask you this Wiz. I, I don't know if you, have you completed a, a first round mock yet? I have, but I, I really am. I, I feel pretty good about my first 20 picks, which is the Steelers at 20. And then, I'm, you know, the, the last 12 picks, I'm kind of looking at again because the Lions are picking again. The Packers have two picks. The Chiefs have two picks. So my first 22, my first 20 picks I have, I need to do the last 12, which I will uh, finish up tonight or tomorrow. But uh, I haven't. I don't feel great about the last 12 picks, so uh, that's where I'm at. I'm probably uh, pretty confident ending with the steal with the 20. Yeah, because I wanted to move to position totals. Um, so being that you didn't complete your draft yet, but, you know, this is a draft. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about it. You know, there are there, there's defensive talent for sure in this draft. There's offensive talent. Currently, the number of offensive players taken in the first round, the line is 16.5. The number of defensive players, it's 15.5. Uh, but but then there are lines on each different of each of the positions. Cornerbacks four and a half, offensive linemen seven and a half. Um, it's it's interesting looking at the two positions which there are, are the most position players, and it's really played that way out 
out that way over the last few years in terms of free agency. What two positions are getting paid the most? It's offensive linemen and it's wide receivers these days. And the wide receiver line is six and a half in the first round, which to me looks a little bit on the high side. I haven't, like you, I have not fully completed my first round. And offensive lineman is at seven and a half ways. So I was curious if you had a strong feeling. And, and running backs, by the way, not surprisingly, is a half. So if, if you think a running back is going to get taken uh, in the first round, which on most boards I have not seen that happen, but in a few I've started to see Bryce Hall sneak up into a few of these drafts. What 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 is your view on kind of positions? Was, do you have a strong view one way or the other in any of the positions in the first round? You know, I saw the offensive lineman at seven and a half, and my first instinct was to just say under is an absolute lock because I'm looking at different scenarios, and I think the line is wrong. I think it should be six and a half, and it's seven and a half. But then I looked at it again, and I just feel because in my mock, I have three tackles, three offensive linemen's tackles going in the first six picks. So I'm just wondering by these tackles going off the board so early, and then I have another penning going in the middle of the first round as well. I mean, I'm just wondering because those guys are going to be going off the board so quickly, if that could bring on a little bit of panic for certain teams to take offensive linemen and it gets to the end of the first round. So at first, I absolutely love it. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Uh, Linda Baum is a player that I could see going in the first round or maybe early second round. So I don't really want to hitch my wagon to that one. I lean towards the under. And I'm with you about wide receiver. I lean towards the under about that as well. But the problem is you have Kansas City and Green Bay with four picks in the first round. And... I'm not saying both teams are going to take two wide receivers each, but I could see Green Bay saying we're going to take two and we're going to hope we hit a home run with one of them and Kansas City taking one, and that's three, and that's probably not going to even include the guys, the wide receivers that I believe are going to go in the top 20. So while I agree with you, and I think that a lot of these wide receivers are good second-round picks, I think it gets a little bit murky. So even though I, I, I lean under on both of those totals, I'm not going to play it, and I wouldn't recommend playing it either because I just think um, with Kansas City and, and Green Bay, like I said, having four picks, that could, uh, that could make it go the other way. All right, and then and as far as like specific players going to specific teams, it's interesting that the only two players that are listed uh, right now for, for specific players are Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, uh, which brings us to the conversation. You know, again, Carolina Panthers have uh, a need at quarterback, but so do a number of other teams, and the Steelers are in, included that in, in that mix. So I, I don't again. You mentioned that you had through your first twenty picks done, and the Steelers pick at number twenty. We know Carolina picks at number six. So I'm curious, Wiz, do you have either Pickett or Willis going to Carolina or Pittsburgh? Because I think the odds are very interesting uh, in the case of both of those players, depending on where they fall. So neither player is a first round quarterback in my view. Neither is Desmond Ritter. Neither is Sam Howell. Now, Sam Howell is not really being talked about the first round, but Desmond Ritter is, and certainly Pickett and Malik Willis are. I, I, these are my two favorite draft bets of the, uh, on Thursday, is over on both 
uh, where they're being listed as, where they're going to be drafted under and over, are over on both players, Pickett and um, Malik Willis. I know Carolina has the sixth pick and they don't pick again, but this neither of these guys are going to go in there and, and, and save the coach's head, you know, head coach's job by coming in. I mean, could Pickett or Malik Willis, maybe Pickett. Malik Willis is not going to come in and be an improvement over Sam Donald in his rookie year. Pickett could be as good, whatever, but I think there's a better chance of Carolina getting desperate and maybe doing something for Baker or more likely Garoppolo. Um, So I don't think they're going to take Pickett with the sixth pick or Malik Willis with the sixth pick. Once that happens, there's no landing spot for either of those quarterbacks until Willis, I believe, is going to go 20 to the Steelers. So where they have the under and over on both of these players, I love both of these overs. I think Malik Willis and, and any quarterback does not get picked until 20. And I don't see any reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers should move up. I think both players will be available at their pick. Certainly one of them will be available at their pick. So there's no reason to trade up. So those are my two favorite draft props. I mean, I've watched these quarterbacks play, and neither one of these guys are first-round grade. And I know desperation makes teams do crazy things, but uh, it would be absolutely outrageous for Carolina to take either one of those quarterbacks with six. And then you're looking at teams after that. The Jets aren't going to take a quarterback. They have two picks in the first 10. The Giants are going to take a quarterback. They have two picks in the first 10. The Vikings aren't going to take a quarterback. They're picking at 12. Um, Can the Washington Commanders take one? Possibly. The Ravens aren't going to take one. The Chargers aren't going to take one. The Eagles, I believe, are not going to take one. I mean, so I, I just love the over for those those two players, Pickett and uh, Malik Willis, over on the numbers right now. Yeah, and right now uh, Malik Willis is at thirteen and a half. Pickett's at sixteen and a half. And, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you on, on the specifics of Malik Willis to the Steelers, but I like the odds of plus three hundred. Uh, Malik Willis to the Steelers, uh, you know, so you, you can bet both of those picks. Uh, I'm also intrigued at minus one fifty. Sauce Gardner being in the top five uh, to me, that's that's also a very uh, I think I think look obviously you're not getting great odds for that, but I think the likelihood that that's going to happen is extremely high, and it's priced accordingly. But I, I think that's how it's going to shake out. Yeah, I mean Gardner. I mean, if Stingley gets taken three, which is the latest rumor, the Texans have to have Stingley at three. Well, then I the Jets won't have that comfort level of of having two cornerbacks available as the picks go on. So it would be more likely that then they would take Gardner. Uh, with the fourth pick, and then and then worry about uh, whether we had uh, you know another defensive player or wide receiver at ten. So I'm with you, uh, you know, on on Gardner. I have him as the number two pick, but um, certainly I I like him in in the top five. And uh, um, but as I was saying, the two quarterbacks. I just think those two overs uh, are, are are terrific plays. And if they have props on like one player landing on a certain team. I mentioned this on an earlier draft uh, when we did the Chargers, is uh, Jordan Davis uh, ending up on the Chargers with pick 17. I'm not sure if that's out or what kind of odds you could get on, a, on exactly who goes with the 17th pick, but it's a perfect fit for a player that I, I believe is going to be available. It's very, very close because I could see the Saints taking that player. I could see the Eagles taking that player. Um, but uh, But... 
but I, I think Jordan Davis is a, is a perfect for a team fit for a team that just needs somebody to help stop that run. Yeah, and then you know, I think there's one, to me there's one player. If I had to pick a player that I think is maybe being undervalued in this particular draft, uh, this is a school that's really kind of been known as really producing a a lot of solid defensive players coming out of college, and that's the Utah Utes. Uh, and and Devin Lloyd is a is a player who I see most of the time going like past number twenty, but I think could fall into the top twenty. I'm I'm curious your thoughts on that particular player. Or maybe you could pull up the to- under and over on him, but I'll yeah. tell you right now, I have him going nine. Uh, I think he, to your point, he is that type of player. He's the type of player that Pete Carroll loves. And while I, I have Stingley and Lloyd available to the Seahawks at nine, and I could, would not be surprised at all if they took Stingley, but in my mock, I have Lloyd going nine to, um, to, to the Seahawks. So, to answer your question, that would be definitely be an under because I, I don't know what if there's an under and over on him. There is, there, there, there is, and it's a lot. It's a lot different than what you just suggested. His, his, it's probably in the twenties, right? It's nineteen and a half right now. It, 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 it's it's moving up. It was it started in the twenties, uh, but it's moved up to nineteen and a half. Yeah, it's, I, I really like the player, and that's a Pete Carroll player. Now, if he doesn't go there nine, and they let's say in my mock they take Stingley, which I think is also a fifty-fifty proposition, then he could he could drop. But the player is just I don't know. I, I like I like the under on that one. I'm I, I'm I certainly agree with you there. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's kind of gone back and forth, and you know, again, we haven't really spoke about this in detail at all, um, but who the number one, number two, and number three receivers are going to be. And I think, you know, again, this is a draft where I'm, I think there's some depth at wide receiver, but not necessarily guys that are going to come in and make a difference from the get-go. That's kind of my opinion on it. Uh, you know, we, you and I have already talked about that, that over under six and a half, but do you kind of have set in your mind the order in which maybe the top three receivers are going to go in this particular draft? And we've been surprised, by the way, the last couple of years. Obviously, we were very surprised a couple of years ago when Ruggs went as early as he did. Uh, we've also had question marks around what the Eagles have been doing. And I, I had to laugh to myself today where uh, the Eagles are making Jalen Rager available. Well, no, no, no kidding. Right. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He couldn't catch a cold at the moment. He, you know, Jalen Rager is not a good football player. Um, but I'm just curious if you have in your mind uh, wide receivers, if you have a particular order at this point in time that you're kind of leaning on. Yeah, I think, I think you know, when it comes to receivers, it's really about fit, what they want to do. I think receivers five through, let's say, 15 are very, very close. They could go in any different order. They can be drafted, you know, four of them also in the first round, different ones. Uh, some of them that I, I, I think could go in the first round, maybe, you know, teams have it in a different order. So I think like, you know, the Watsons and the Traylon Burks and the Dotsons, those guys are very, very close together. So that's going to be kind of personal preference. Now, what makes the pecking order at wide receiver difficult is, the number one receiver in my book is Jamison Williams. The problem is the team that is drafting that player is probably going to be looking at half a season without him playing, and then maybe the rest of the season him 
kind of not being at full strength. I mean, that type of injury, uh, it happened in the, in the semifinals. Um, if it was a championship game, I forget if it happened in the championship game or the, or the, or the semifinal game. I think it happened in the championship, championship game. game yep. So yeah, that's right. Cause Michi got her in the semifinal game. So you're looking at a player who, you know, is probably for lack of a better term, going to have to be redshirted his, his rookie season in the NFL, so then you're talking about the two Ohio State receivers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and then the receiver who is in a different category in terms of what he does on the field with his size, strength, is um, is Drake London. So I, I think those are going to be the four receivers that will go first. And, again, had all four receivers come into this draft healthy, I'd be confident that the order would be Jamison Williams won. As it stands right now, it's going to take a team that is not going to be, you know, that is not going to be in such a hurry to get him back on the field. You know, maybe a team like Kansas City or Green Bay or something like that that can hold the fort down until they get him on the field. So that's why it makes the picks where some of these teams are going to be taking, like the Jets, kind of like, you know, they, they want to get a better product on the field. So for them, maybe one of the Ohio State receivers or – Drake London is the pick that they'll make. So to answer your question, it, it muddles the pecking order because of the injury to Jameson Williams. Yeah, and here's my last question, being that you're a Viking fan and they're picking number 12 with, with a lot of needs on the defensive side of the football. We, we, we mock that secondary all year long. But you're the Vikings at number 12. Jameson Williams is available, and obviously you need secondary help. And I'm assuming there's some solid secondary players that will be available to you. As a Vikings fan, are you defi- and we know that uh, Adam Thielen is, is getting up in age. What would be your decision as a GM of the Minnesota Vikings at that point? Well, I think if the GM wants to win his fantasy league, he'll take Jameson Williams or Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. If the guy wants to win an NFL game, he'll take Stingley McDuffie or Kyle Hamilton and try and stop somebody else from 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 scoring points. So I'm going to guess it's going to be a cornerback or Kyle Hamilton. And I just want to say one thing about Kyle Hamilton, okay? I know his time in the combine was slow and then his pro day was even worse. But I just watch his instincts on the field, and he's just one of these type of players that can come up and support the run and and do something about it on run plays, and then can also play secondary and and cover a lot of ground with his instincts. And I'll tell you the person who I – it's going to seem like an odd comparison to because it's a different sport, but I'm going to tell you the player who's ever played professional sports that I really compare him to, Kevin McReynolds. And you remember Kevin McReynolds, Yeah, sure. He he wasn't like in a straight line, an absolute speed burner, but his instincts as a base runner and a left fielder Jumping on the ball, his base running, getting from first to third on singles, stealing second base, tremendous record percentage stealing bases. That's the type of player that Kyle Hamilton is. And I'm not concerned with this 40. I'm just saying whether it's the Vikings or the Commanders or the Jets, and I think that's the area where he's going to go 10 to 12. Is going to get themselves. They're going to get themselves absolutely one of the best players in the entire draft. But he's not being listed as a top three player because of that slow timing in the forty. 
Uh, you know what, was uh, the way I look at it is there, there's been other star secondary players who, who have had slow, who have had slow, have had slow 40 times as well. Uh, Brian Dawkins comes to mind. Uh, I want to say, I think Ronnie Lott actually feel, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to compare him to, to, to two tremendous players. Ed Reed was a four, six guy. I'm just saying instincts go a long way in football sometimes. Especially at the position. Yes. Quarterback is a different thing. Straight line speed is more important. But 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 understanding what the quarterback wants to do and what the team is going to do and getting a jump on the ball. And if you just watch the tape on Kyle Hamilton, you are absolutely wowed how he's 40 yards down the field intercepting a pass coming across the field. And then the next play, he's blowing up a run play by supporting the run. I mean, he's just I – mean, he's my favorite player in the entire draft. And uh, – yeah, I wouldn't be unhappy if the Vikings ended up with him, but I think more likely he'll go a uh, pick before them to the Commanders or the Jets at two picks before them. There's a fun, you know, I mentioned Ronnie Lott. There was a funny line that, that, I, that I saw an interview with Ronnie Lott once and talking about Jerry Rice, who, you know, again, uh, <laughs> we're talking about a different position, but I think he measured four six four seven if I'm not mistaken, in his 40 time. And Ronnie Lott's line was, yeah, he might have, he might have measured four to six four seven when he was being tested like that, but on Sundays he was a four two or a four three. So yeah, yeah, exactly. and I think you know Jerry Rice. I'm different positions, but the instincts on a player like Jerry Rice were very very different. So all right, was uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Do you have any other pearls of wisdom before we do our mock mock draft? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Just one thing on Kansas City. This is my view on Kansas City. It's going to be an odd view, but this is my view. Either Kansas City will trade up with a specific wide receiver in mind, and I've been saying this for months now, or they will not take a wide receiver with one of their two picks. As crazy as that is, and maybe is as crazy as it sounds, I believe that if they have intent on a player, let's say when the Texans come up at 13 and they just love a player, they'll trade their 29th pick, their 30th pick, and maybe a couple other picks in this year's and next year's draft to move up. But if they don't, then I think their view is there's a bunch of receivers. They're going to take defensive players with the 29th and 30th pick and a receiver that they like in the second round. So Kansas City, I believe, will take zero wide receivers or move up and trade. So the only way I believe that they're going to take a receiver is if you see them trade up during the draft, which I believe is extremely likely. Yeah, there was a comment by a general manager who felt that there was uh, not a lot of players in this draft that he quote unquote thought were first round talents. So, and I think we've seen previously that when Andy Reid kind of gets his mind locked on a player, he will move to get that player. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs have been picking up, picking very late in the first round. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting viewpoint that you have on the Chiefs. And you remember, they have the most draft equity in this entire draft. Yeah, which is so, which is kind of incredible. Which is kind of incredible. It is incredible, and they're not a team that's afraid to give up a lot of players and a lot of draft equity if they um, have a player in mind. And um, when you look at number 15 for the Chiefs, that's an example of that. All right, Wiz. So that's going to be a wrap. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football, uh, I guess, draft uh, draft prop bet uh, 
podcast. Uh, we're going to do our mock tomorrow, I think, or maybe early on Thursday. We'll try to see if we can figure that one out in terms of timing because uh, we want to get it for people to listen to before the draft. But we are on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Hope you're enjoying our coverage of the draft. Uh, I know we're excited about it. Wiz, great job as always. Speak to you later with a mock draft. You got it.